Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Diversity Remix, only provocative conversations at the intersection of business, politics, and culture. I'm Charlie Echeverry. And I'm Jesus Chavez. Today's episode, The Point of No Return. In our deep dive, does last week's storming of the Capitol and the societal lines it crossed mean that we need to revisit the balance between freedom of speech, individual safety, and the ability of private companies to self-govern? Can we unring the bell? And in our Courage or Cringe segment, the House of Representatives' new inclusive language, St. Stacey Abrams and the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Does the new inclusive language adopted by the House of Representatives erase or heighten divisions in the country? Is it okay to appropriate religious imagery and terminology to score political points? Does an award given by the president lose its meaning by virtue of the person occupying the office, or should the dignity of the office transcend the individual? This and a whole lot more on today's episode of TDR. Jesus, I'd say welcome, but it sounds like it feels like we should be starting uh, starting this uh, particular episode with uh, I don't know, just round the horn, shameful glances at one another for what the country's been through. It's been uh, quite a week. I was, I was kind of laughing in, in, prepar- in preparing for this episode because I was thinking about... Laughing through your tears? Laughing through my tears a little bit, I guess. Just the amount of things that have happened since we were recording last It's going to be a four-hour we show. Were- <laughs> Just as a quick reminder. So we, we tend to record these these episodes on Tuesdays and uh, it, with it going live on Wednesday. Well, last Tuesday... When we were recording, it was during the Senate runoff. It was the day it was being, you know, all the voting was taking place. And we were just talking about how we didn't know what was going to happen in terms of how soon we will find out who won the Senate, uh, the Senate races. We were talking about the next day being this joint session in Congress to certify the Electoral College vote. Um, and so knew there was going to be, you know, some news coming up. But I don't think any of us. No, we couldn't have imagined what went imagine down. Imagine what, yeah. what has happened since. So lots to talk about in this one. And, you know, it's, it, it's you know, we're kind of uh, grinning through it, not to make light of the situation, but also, but just, uh, you know, because it's kind of what you tend to do when, you, uh, when you're hit with a bunch of things that you could not have, have, have foreseen or expected. I think um, the one thing that's clear in the conversations I've had over the course of the last week, and of course, we're talking about our deep dive issue, which is 
uh, what happened with the storming of the Capitol building and the kind of, uh, you know, sort of societal lines, right, that were crossed by virtue of that. Yeah. The one constant that I've heard in my conversations is exactly that sentiment. The fact that, like, w- that it feels to people on a number of different sides of the of the argument that we've kind of reached a new level, a new low, a new line that was crossed, something yeah, that, I agree with some, that. that some people who are perhaps more negative than others think we cannot come back from and other people who just recognize the fact that it's happened. But there seems to be consensus about that. Yeah, and I think you're right. I mean, I think saying it that way is probably the best way to describe it, which is there is this line that, that was crossed uh, with what happened. And, and frankly, there's been all kinds of fallout from that, from that event, from a political standpoint, uh, of types of fallout as it relates to uh, how media has handled the situation, how these platforms, which we're gonna, obviously we're going to talk about. But why don't we get into that? Because there's, there's a lot to cover here. And we'll do our best to try to parse these things out as we, as we kind of go through it. But, but frankly, this is all real-time information. Like I'm literally getting alerts right now um, as it relates to some of these things that are taking place. So sure. look, to the degree that we can, we'll try to be as thorough as we can and, and kind of where things sort of sit and where do we see sort of the issues. But also we be honest that right now it's, what, 5 o'clock, 5.26 p.m. Pacific time. So between now and by the time someone listens to this episode, a lot of things could happen, of course. But we'll try to do our best. Right? 100%. Um, let's, let's so as, as mentioned, there was, you know, of course, been a massive fallout on the attack that happened on Capitol Hill that occurred last Wednesday, January 6th, right? And this was, of course, during a, a joint session of Congress that was there to certify the Electoral College vote for the presidency, right? Uh, which resulted in the Capitol building being breached, which was, and, and you know, first time I heard the stat, it, it, stat, it kind of blew my mind away, which is the first time in over 200 years. I think the last time this happened was 1814 by the British, and it was during the 1812 war, right? Wow. So that's, so it's, it's it's definitely hit a new line. It's um, going back a minute. It's going back. And at least, I, I believe the last stat that I saw is at least six people uh, have died as a result of that, uh, including one Capitol police officer. I think it's been the second one that died as well, but I believe that one was actually a suicide that just happened. Mm. Maybe yes, really? uh, yesterday or day before. Yeah, so that's that's really sad. I'm, I'm, frankly, I don't know if that's part of the six or that's an additional one because it happened after the, the obviously the, the attack occurred. But a number of people, participants, participants uh, obviously yeah. Capitol Police uh, staff, officers, you know, so on all sides of the Yeah, so the which is super sad, right, that happened. Um, now, in terms of, and, and by the way, it, it, there's a lot in terms of what happened during the day, which we're not really going get, to get into more, talk about the fallout. Of course, we'll try to touch upon it as much as we can. But for President Trump specifically, um, there's been a lot of fallout uh, in terms of, the political response to what many deem were his direct actions that resulted in this kind of uh, event happening, right? So first is, you know, his actions and, init- and frankly, his initial response, I think was that was a lot of what people also responding to. He put out a video that, that same day when the breach was taking place um, as a way to sort of, in ways, kind of calm people down and get people to to basically stop attacking the, the, the Capitol, but still pushing this narrative about the election being stolen as a matter of fact, at one point, I think at the end of it, he, he frank, literally said, but, but we love you. Like, please go home. And it was like very much like, hey, we're, we're on your side. You're doing the right thing, even though you just stormed the Capitol, yeah. which is not really a good thing to yeah. do. So that so that basically both his initial actions, because he was holding a protest before, yeah, he protested before or while the session was taking place and his initial response were frankly condemned across the board uh, by, of course, pretty much every single Democrat, but also Republicans. And I think the ones that to, to me stood out were um, Lindsey Graham, who's been one that has been on on President Trump's side for a long time. And even this one, I think I texted you about this one, Charlie, when it was taking place. With Marco was Rubio. Marco Rubio. Yeah. And look, I'll be the first to admit it. I am not a fan of Marco Rubio, mm-hmm. but I really liked 
the speech that he gave. Uh, and this was after the Congress reconvened to continue the count, mm-hmm. which was obviously hours after they were able to, you know, finally get everyone out of the, out of the Capitol building, which was people, I mean, it was, it was taken over for about four hours. Right. Yeah. So there was that, that initial response, condemnation kind of across the board, although as expected, mostly on the Democrat side, there was a number of Republicans that were, conde- a lot of people, a lot of Republicans, I would say, were conde- condemned the action specifically, what happened with the breach in the Capitol building. There was a lot, there was, I think, general consensus of condemning that. But there was others who specifically called out the actions of President Trump that they felt added to that, right? And that's, those two, to me, kind of stood out because I felt like those are obviously two big voices that have been on his side. Yeah. In addition to that, there's been at least 10, maybe not, I think now more, administration officials who have officially resigned in protest, right? And we're not going to get through every single name, but there's some big roles here, right? Transportation of Secretary, by the way, that who also happens to be uh, Elaine Chow, who also happens to be the wife of Mitch McConnell, right? Was so it's actually pretty important there in terms of him being the... Uh, um, the head of the set of the Senate, right on the on the Republican side, uh, Education Secretary Betsy DeVos, kind of across the board. So really big roles. The Deputy Assistant Secretary at the Commerce Department, White House Counsel for Economic Advisors, the First Lady's Chief of Staff Stephanie Grisham, a bunch of different folks, Assistant Attorney General. So number of people that have basically resigned in protest too, in in I think directly really against President Trump, sure, and what they believe his role was in creating the situation. And then, of course, beyond that, there's been uh, very loud and growing calls to remove him from office, right? And you kind of see this across three different sort of sectors. And, and just really quickly, before you get into the three different sectors, I think understanding the significance of the resignations, too, in the context that we're talking about. We're talking about a context of essentially at this point, what do we have, like a week? Yeah, that's right. It, it, it's, it's big. You know, of like, course it is. To it's say you're going to walk away from— It's an exclamation mark at the end of things. And it's also—it's evidence of people obviously trying to distance their own— legacy, their own personal brands, their yeah. own integrity, their own reputation from what's happened with these capital um, uh, riots. Yeah, the, the one that I missed, and he's been very vocal, is Mick Mul- Mul- Mulvaney, I'm sorry. Mick, Mick Mulvaney. Yeah, Mick yeah. Mulvaney, sorry. Yeah. Uh, who is the, amb- or was the ambassador to Northern Ireland, but was previously the former White House Chief of Chief Staff. Chief of Staff, yeah. And he's been very vocal in terms of his point of view and what he thought President Trump uh, yeah. did in terms of create a situation. But you're right. I mean, it, it speaks volumes that, you know, in less than 10 days, people are walking away from the administration in a very, very public manner. Um, to And especially, I think, to Trump, because President Trump had been one that has been, uh, you know, he, at least his MO has seemed to be very much that he calls for people to be loyal to him first and foremost. So it's someone that does not take resignations lightly or, mm-hmm. or anyone crossing them in any way whatsoever. He, so it takes resignations lightly, not lightly, but takes firing very lightly. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, this is not a, a subtle move by any means. By any no, folks. it's not. It's a, it's an exclamation mark. And it's something Major, that right? it, of all the things that, you know, kind of underline and highlight, highlight this disgrace that happened last week mm. um, from a political fallout standpoint, it's probably that. I that's, mean, it's kind of the biggest one, I think, right now. Yeah, right. Because what it basically and I would say the least expected, right? Because you could see you could imagine Democrats well, imagine immediately people, yeah. like condemning it and going after him. No, but um, but but even but even the idea of like somebody who vehemently disagrees with what happened, maybe attributes some blame or even a lot of blame to President Trump. 
nevertheless saying, look, I'm already leaving. I'm right. leaving next week. So like, I'll just leave next week. I mean, for them to go, no, I'm leaving right now. Literally right. today is my last day and all of that. It's a significant move. Is, and yeah. I think it's, you know, uh, you know, hopefully it's a principled one and not a, not a strategic one. In some cases, it's a little bit of both. When you, I'm sure you're when you talk about both. politics, it's probably yeah, a little bit I'm of sure both. I'm sure you're going to get both. And, but, but it's in any case, right? So then of course, then came the, really the calls. And this has been a really interesting sort of area is that the, the amount of growing support this idea of trying to get him removed from office, which is massive for the exact same issue you just described, right? What we're talking about now, nine days, uh, I guess it'd be, yeah, maybe eight days, right? Because it's the 20th, mm-hmm. um, before he leaves office. And you kind of see that across three different vectors. The first is basically the straight up call uh, of, of people saying that he should resign, that President Trump should resign. And you see that, of course, in Democratic, but, but you see more and more Republicans sure. stepping up and actually making that that same call. I think the first one that I could think of was um, from Alaska, right? Uh, Senator from Alaska, I forget her name now, but I think she was one of the first ones that I could recall that was very vocal saying that she, he should be gone from office. McCaskill, right? so isn't it? Maybe, yeah, yeah. And I could literally picture her face, but I can't think of her name. Um, so that was sort of the first sort of vector. The second, which is one that is- Lisa Murkowski. It is, okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah. The second one is that there has been also growing calls for Vice President Pence to enact the 25th Amendment, which, you know, for those that may not know, 25th Amendment basically refers to is is, is when basically a president is no longer fit for duty. Now, what's, what's interesting about well, this is that technically that's, when they're incapacitated. Right, yeah. which is that's exactly what I was going to go right. with, which is really more related to something like a medical situation, mm-hmm. right, where he's hurt or, or, or the, the president, I just see the president happens to be hurt, et cetera, and they can't actually do can't their- Can't discharge his office. Right, but but it's been interesting, and in and especially the dynamic between you know Vice President Pence and and President Trump. That in many ways, you know, Pence is kind of coming off as the adult right now, like big time. Not only because of he refused to basically do what President Trump was asking him to do, which is to like you know change who like what the electoral votes were going to be during this this joint session, which you say he doesn't he can't do because of, uh, the Constitution doesn't let him do it. Right, literally. To now, of course, uh, Pence also has said that he is going to attend the inauguration. Of, Even of, though Trump of is not. Yeah, he's, Trump is not. He's, like he's coming off as the adult. And, and he's discharging his office, right? Which, again, in all of this, I mean, yeah. what's also clear to me is, you know, all the things that sh- some of the things are expected, the other things that should have been or that were talked about didn't necessarily come to pass. Um, you know, one of them is, is like, again, Mike Pence or even some of the people in the, in the cabinet being these sort of sycophants who are just, you know, in with Trump to the death and all this stuff. And yet a lot of these folks have resigned or Pence, like I'll do right. anything for Trump yet. Nevertheless, being the guy at the end going like, no, I'm not going to do that. The attorney general bar of attorney general directly bar, in, that, in that category. Same category. He yeah, was like, yeah. the, you know, the, the wicked witch of the West. He's also been pretty like, critical about what happened. Super critical. It back super to critical, President Trump. Of course. Yeah. So, so I think it, it's been meaningful in that sense to kind of yeah. see in some respects, the true colors to the extent you can see true colors with anybody in politics, by the way. Um, but to see the true colors, of some of these players and at the same time to just really understand the absolute colossal debacle that this thing was last week um and what you know i'm reminded of the the saying i forget exactly who who mentioned this but it it wasn't me that somebody who said that you remember the first thing you hear and the last thing you see right right so the first thing you hear about trump and the consciousness politically is him riding down that escalator and having a sort of like i'm running for office thing right that's the first thing you hear the last thing you see is that capitol building siege like that is the sum that right. is the, 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 the sort of like, you know, log line of his presidency. And it is absolutely, um, you know, devastating for yeah. a guy like him who wants to not have those kind of legacies and all that kind of stuff. It's exactly the opposite of what I'm sure he, he would have envisioned for himself. And it's, but it's, it's absolutely crystal clear that that is what, it, what will be that, 
that legacy of uh, of this period of time. You know what was interesting about sort of making this comment about the true colors of some of these folks and even like Pence, like I said, coming off as the adult. You know, the the part of me that is very skeptical also makes me think that the only reason this is happening is because people recognize is like, you know, they're smelling blood in the water. And everyone was, you know, fear, basically everyone feared Trump because of the power he had, his ability to, you know, as a kingmaker, literally, like if he, he supports somebody, sure. they tend to win their race. So what happened this, you know, last week was really is that straw that broke the camel's back, right? That was the last of a, sort of a series of events just from last week that sort of undermined, I think, President Trump's ability to really control the GOP, right? So the combination Especially, of the call with the, mm-hmm. with the Secretary of State of Georgia right, and that getting, you know, being leaked and him just coming off as desperate, like slightly insane. I mean, yeah. it just, it was terrible. Like, by the way, I was hearing today, this is hilarious. Well, apparently he farted during the call. And, and there the was Secretary of State one? No, yeah, that one. Uh, uh, President I'm, Trump. I, ha- I haven't gotten to that minute. In and the, and the, they in literally the like had the part of the of the audio, and he says, "Oh, like you could hear it." And he says, "Oh, sorry." <laughs> like he reacts to it oh, like, "Oh awesome. my god!" Just to add to it, right? That's awesome. So you had that. You had really the what happened in Georgia, which mm-hmm. is it's a it's a major um, uh, upset. The fact that you know these two incumbents were were you know unseated unseated. It's it was it really is in the state and, the, and that the and that the power of the entire I mean really all of all of Congress essentially right because yeah you've got the especially House, in that context right? even though the Republicans gained a bunch of seats in the House it nevertheless doesn't really matter because right. now they've got a minority in the House minority in the Senate in, in that context, and they've lost the presidency. It's amazing that that happened and. You know, many blame President Trump for being mm-hmm. the the reason why they lost the seat because he his obsession with with the fraud of the of the election or his claims of the fraud of the election really superseded his right. support that he should have been given to that. So the combination of him not being able to deliver for people that really should have won in almost every scenario, him coming off just looking just really bad in this call, yeah. and then this you know bad idea turned really really worse when with this attack on the Capitol Hill. I think is also created what the, even though those that had been his allies that have been very supportive or have not dared cross him, which yeah. may be the better way to put it, yeah. all of a sudden are now like, well, maybe now you're a little hurt and yeah. now willing to, to attack. So I think there's a lot of that going on. It is. It, it is. And, you know, the moment you see that he's lost the platform, the moment you see that he's lost uh, any kind of uh, position of, of power, the moment that he gets censored and banned from social platforms, which you can certainly add to the mix here in this conversation, then obviously all the people who thought that they had either fear, either they feared him or they had something to gain are going to fall away from from the wayside. I, go ahead. I was just saying, and there, there probably isn't a better example of that mm-hmm. than what's going on with these articles of impeachment that just got drafted. Well, that was the other thing I was going to mention, right? Because you've got the, 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 the way that I look at it is this whole resign thing, not going to happen a million years. No. The um, 25th Amendment, not going to happen, shouldn't happen, in my opinion. That yeah. is a different, By the you want to create the, a new- The breaking news that just came out right yeah. now, Pence just said he's not supporting that, right? Yeah. Well, and but, he shouldn't. I agree, he I agree with you. Because I agree with you. That, I think that you, shouldn't I, be the I case. I think you should create a new amendment if you want one right. where it's like that's not, someone's yeah. moral character has to get him but this is specifically about you are right. incapable of being an idiot somebody, doesn't make them you just got you not, just got right you right. just got shot you just had a heart attack right, you right, just right. had an aneurysm and you need to swear in the vice president quickly because we need somebody to govern the country so i don't think that should yeah, play I agree so what's you. left impeachment and then conviction potentially by the right. senate now that should play why because that is the mechanism that, is that, the mechanism. that, I agree that, with that you. we have available to us which is also crazy to even be talking about this once again with eight days left in his presidency right now What's been interesting there, that got immediately drafted by by the House, of course, by the Democrats on the, on the House. 
But there was two piece data points that just came out today that I was looking at, which kind of blows my mind. And in line to what we're talking about, one is the New York Times reported uh, today, as a matter of fact, so on September, I'm sorry, January 12th, mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, majority leader in the Senate, uh, Mitch McConnell, right, had told associates that he believes that President Trump committed impeachable offenses and that he is pleased that Democrats are moving to impeach him, believing that it will make it easier to purge him from the party. And that's one that you can say maybe the New York, New York Times got it wrong, maybe it's the wrong source. But there's something to be said about Mitch McConnell. Man, there, there's, been, there's been some issues between those nothing, two guys the entire time. Not only that, but nothing surprises me in the area of political calculus and well, the, and and how like just cynical a lot of these people are. And look, I don't know, but I'm just saying it would never surprise me I, to envision I agree that. with you. And I think look, there's also you can you could point to things that Mitch McConnell has done to definitely make it harder. That made it harder for President Trump to get elected, right, or reelected, right, right. Not passing the stimulus, the bill, not pushing for that harder before the election, the presidential election took place, had a direct impact on on President Trump, and also right after, yeah, he was for it. So I, I, I could definitely see that being the case. The second one, by the way, which is now in the House, at the same time, Representative Kevin McCarthy, who was the minority leader at the House. Um, and had been one of you know President Trump's most uh, you know steadfast al- allies in Congress, has asked other Republicans whether he ought to call Mr. Trump to resign in the aftermath of last week's riot in the Capitol. Um, this, according to three Republican officials, briefed on the conversation. So you're getting basically both leaders, both Re- Republican leaders in the Senate and the House, who are now um, at least as being as has been reported by New York Times, actively having conversations where they're questioning the leadership and not just leadership, but the need to remove President Trump from the, from the office and in, in many ways get rid of him uh, completely. Uh, yeah, uh, just get, erase it from, erase the, him from the party altogether. Yeah, and I, and, I, and I think that that is, frankly, to be expected. I think everybody, and we're seeing the fallout now on the kind of business side, brands wanting to distance Ta- themselves. Tons of that, Even yeah. from the Trump organization, which at least ostensibly has nothing to do with the administration of the of, of the the country. But I think that that, you know, the brand has become toxic. Yep. I think that, um, if, if not forever, for at least a significant period of time coming mm-hmm. out of this, I think that any, um, uh, platforms or tentacles or ability or whatever you want to call it, that, that, uh, the president had in order to tell his own story mm-hmm. had been significantly curtailed. And that is something that, gives me a dramatic amount of pause, which we can get into in a minute. Well, but but nevertheless, but but the reality of it is yeah. is that it makes sense that people who are now looking at I've got to be in Congress for the next four years, eight years, ten years. Sure. How do I how do I how do I detach myself from this or yeah. or, or, or respin what my involvement was? All these guys are thinking the same thing. It's easy for the Democrats because they've hated I would have I think the Democrats would have impeached him if he won. If he won the election, I think they would have impeached him. Yeah. And I think that You're the, probably right. those those articles, <laughs> let me tell you something, those articles were probably drafted like two months ago and they just like put white yeah. out over like the thing that they wanted to charge like, him with. Control C, control right. V, right? right. Like, exactly. They've been written a while ago. Exactly. They just changed what the yeah, thing yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? They like, changed the date. That's all they did. They changed the date. Exactly. <laughs> so so I think the Democrats have well, the easy role. But, but so yeah. but so on this really that is the conversation we want to have, right? Because look, all that was a lot of tea up. Which is relevant because obviously there's, there's so much, too much stuff going on. Yeah, but it's all related to this broader issue that was related to what the mm-hmm. you know as you I think very well laid out the initial question, which is this balance between freedom of speech, individual safety, and obviously the impact that language has on creating a dynamic for individual safety or, or harm, mm-hmm. and the ability of private companies to self-govern. Right. So this is where now when you look at the massive fallout as it relates to censorship and the platform of the president and more widely. 
uh, other perceived dangerous voices. That's when it gets really interesting, right? So for President Trump specifically, he has been blocked or banned across almost every social platform, once again, for his role in inciting the violence and encouraging an insurrection, right? So Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, YouTube hasn't officially banned them, but they've definitely uh, um, uh, censored a lot of the content that's on there. TikTok, Twitch, Reddit, Shopify, Discord, Pinterest, um, almost across the board, right? And all in combination of permanently, indefinitely, major censorship across, you know, different cases. Um, so that was with him personally. Yeah. The second thing, and, and this is, you know, maybe one of the broader topics that we started looking at right, right away was that what was happening is as, as many of these more extreme voices felt that they were being censored in platforms like Twitter, a lot of them started to migrate to a new platform called Parler, right? Which kind of presented themselves as a conservative, uh, a conservative platform, but really as the alternative to Twitter. Um, now they had. Uh, by the way, I'm not. I don't mean to push back, but I just. Uh-huh. I'm not actually sure if that's how they position themselves. They, as I, an alternative I, to Twitter or the no, conservative no, 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 platform. No, Parler. I, I think that they may. Cons- I think that they may be. It may be a very conservative or right wing thing right now, but I believe the way oh, that they, yeah, yeah, yeah. That I, they position themselves is as free speech. Well, they, they, yeah. They, yeah, yeah, they do. You're right. It's more of a free speech, but it, they do see themselves as an alternative to Twitter, right? So oh, no, no, the platform sure is, yeah, is sure directly that. sort of a response yeah, yeah. to Twitter. Very I, focused on yeah. free, free speech. It's been primarily embraced by conservative voices, I would say. Although, yeah, hearing even their CEO, at least the way they position themselves, they want to have all kinds of voices on there. Mm-hmm. Um, but they got into some heat right away, right? And many, in many cases, it was really specific because of the role that at least many people believe that they played in the planning, in the communication, that all happened around around the the, the, right. the attack against the Capitol. But, and, but, but some, frankly, before that as well. But some of these things are also related too, right? Because yeah. a lot of people were, I mean, tens of thousands of people purged from these social platforms. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them um, ended up going over to Parler, right? So right. Um, there was there was conversation and stuff happening on Parler, based on what we've read before that. But there was an acceleration of that yeah. post after this kind of banning, and then kind of like a heating up, and then all these kind of edicts after, that came down to crack down on them. Yeah. So and uh, I was seeing, I was seeing the timeline in one of these these articles, and I forget now, but definitely pa- like after the election, presidential election, there was a massive jump up in terms of the people that were really. It was the number one app the, in the App Store. Number it was one growing app. quite a bit, right? Now, Parler was, I think there was already some signs of concern by some of these other companies that are basically support Parler, right? Um, they were initially warned by Google to better sort of moderate the services as they felt it was being plagued with violent comments uh, even before the, the, the attacks on the Capitol, right? Um, now, as a result of, their, of the concerns of both Google, Apple, and Amazon, they, in essence, deplatformed them, right? Google took them off the, the App Store. So did Apple. Amazon, which does all their hosting uh, services through Amazon Web Services, mm-hmm. uh, also refused to basically tell them that they need, to need, they need to get off their servers. In essence, it was like the kiss of death, right? Uh, to the point that the Parler chief executive, John Matsey, uh, he wrote on Saturday that this was a corny attack by the tech giants to kill competition in the marketplace. Um, and adding that the server had just become too successful too fast, right? Now, it gets into the why they got dropped, or at least the, the process they went through. Um, now, for example, um, AWS. And they're are, also suing, the, as of yesterday, I think it was, they're yeah. actually suing Amazon as well. They, they are. And, and I would say they're, they're all problems, right? The, the issue with being dropped from Apple, the issue being dropped from Google, that basically limits them to even be, be able to be found and downloaded. Yeah, just, there's ways around it. Getting Amazon yeah. Web Services to drop you where yeah, you can't like, even host it, like, the, then you're, it's like you're electricity. Erased. It's electricity. Exactly. So that's really the kiss of major kiss of death. Yeah. 
Um, now, AWS, right, had told Parler in an email that it had flagged 98 examples of posts that were clearly encouraging and inciting violence, right? Now, um, now within that included everything from, you know, violent threats against liberal leaders, liberal activism, right. a bunch of different stuff, right? The problem was not just that. I think that it, what, the more I read into this issue, it was a combination of these examples of what people, many people see as clearly inciting violence. Uh, and once again, examples of specific posts that were shared that helped in the coordination of how the Capitol building was being attacked. I think right. it was also the other thing. But also the, the the combination of that and the response that Frank, the CEO, gave in an interview the next day after the riot. So this would have been on Thursday of last week, right? So in an interview they did with the New York Times, he uh, uh, John Matsey, the CEO, said he didn't feel responsible for any of this and neither should the platform, considering, and he said it himself, considering we're a neutral town square that just adheres to the law. Now, Right. That, his perspective, just to be clear, his perspective is that if it's illegal, it'll get flagged. If it's not, it's called free speech. That's basically his right. thought. Yeah. But the, and but by illegal that, meaning things that incite violence, uh, slander, libel, whatever. Sh- sure, like but that. but it puts in this in this situation where him as a platform, they have no responsibility whatsoever to curtail that. Right. right. His, his position is we're the telephone company, basically. It, exactly. And, and his and his position back to to the guys at Apple is like, wait a minute. So now we need to su- we need to shut you guys down for every kidnapper who's ever used his iPhone, for every rapist right. who's ever done whatever, every domestic uh, whatever abuser, every husband who skipped out on their alimony, for everything that's ever happened on your and, device. And that's their right. Right. That's their response. Right? I think this but, was but, going but to the Supreme was, Court. Yeah, I don't think so. Oh, I think, maybe I think it is. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but but it is very in line to the same issues that Facebook deals with, that Twitter has been dealing yep. with for a long time, that Google deals with with YouTube especially. Mm-hmm. Right. All of these companies are all being asked to do in many ways what feels like the impossible, which is with massive, massive bo- volume, still be able to regulate the content that's in there and be both sort of high the finest balancing act of being platform, but also being responsible that's for what's, what's that actually there. To, that's a question that ultimately all this stuff needs to get answered is that, are you a publisher or are you a platform? Because this idea of acting like a publisher and being protected like a platform does not work. And whether or not, you know, you can make a good case on either side of that spectrum. You should be a publisher and have the repercussions or you should be a platform. Or maybe there's a third category that needs to be invented but right now, right. They, you know, the, the, the problem that seems to have the platforms and the crosshairs of every person somehow in the country is you're not moderating enough or you're taking away my First Amendment rights. And they yeah, have I, to I come that. to that. But, but the, cha- the challenge with that, Charlie, I think, is that kind of going back to what our initial question was, right, which is how does this – how does what happen mm-hmm. sort of change the rules that we think are, should be there in terms of how this thing is get balanced? Well, out, I, right? can, I can be, tell beca- you. Because yeah. to your point, look, even if let's say the, the, the does go to Supreme Court and they all come down in the in the area of like if you're a platform, you're a platform. Therefore, you're not you're like the phone company. You're not responsible for any of the content that's on there. Great. The next time, if there is a next time, and hopefully there isn't a next time. But let's say there is another terrorist attack mm-hmm. like what happened in 9-11 mm-hmm. and this all this conversation happened to happen on facebook and let's say it's post a ruling of your platform therefore you're not responsible and if facebook did not do anything themselves to try to find ways to flag that to curtail that to it's going to be a problem i don't care See, what don't, the supreme court says i don't know about and that. i think I that's think... that's the, the the basic issue here because the line that was crossed is that 
It was a direct attack. It made me feel a direct attack on the democracy of this country. The moment the Capitol Hill, because look, I think people see it, and I, I see it the same way. Is like I put it the exact same category that if protesters had broken into the White House, as if they were breaking into the Capitol Hill or they break into the Supreme Court. Like those three are institutions that we cannot have people be able to go in there with zip ties with very bad intent. That if they catch any of those guys, by the way, you know who I thought was in most harm? But it's insane also the fact that, I mean, these people are not even, they're on their faces covered. They're it's talking cra- to cameras. So <laughs> the, crazy, the, the right? fact that they were these like yeah, yeah, mastermind, you know, but, but terrorists is like, they were I'm a not bunch of morons. Are, but but they, I agree. I completely agree with you. But the fact that they were chanting for, for Pence, looking for him. Yeah, right? I know. And so in the, response the, to President Trump telling them, hey, Pence just betrayed us. He's not doing what, what, he, what, he, what, he, what, he, what he said he was going to do. Yeah, it's awful. Cult right? of personality. Like, if I they totally get ca- it. If they yeah. would have gone to Pence, there is no doubt in my mind that they would hurt that, that poor man. Of like, course. There is no doubt in my mind. So, yeah. So, so I, I look, there's, the, a, there's I a whole platform thing, but yeah, I, I there's just, a whole other thing. It's very hard there's to a whole thing we have, say we have that. To, we have, there's a whole other thing we have to get into, which is who exactly do these people who stormed the Capitol actually represent and speak for, right? Because yeah. that's like a whole nother conversation. Look, here, here's where I, where I net out, at least for now on this discussion about censorship, deplatforming, platform, whatever, uh, uh, parlor, et cetera. And for the record, I know a number of people who, um, you know, none personally, but who've mentioned to me that their, you know, uh, handles have decreased or whatever it is. There's been, I mean, thousands of people who've had this impact them right over the course of the last week or so i think in the final analysis i see too much power in too few non-elected hands i see two non-arguments that are being made jesus here's one non-argument number one is this free speech is dead our free speech is getting killed because by definition free speech being infringed upon is something that the government does not something that private enterprise does but that is an argument that's going out there mostly on conservative circles we're losing our free speech our free speech is being impinged upon. It's like, it's a slippery slope. We're dead, basically, right? That's a non-argument because on a technical <clears throat> level, there's nothing the government is doing to limit your speech, but it is being limited by, by, you know, potentially limited by private companies. Here's the other non-argument that's being made. There is no issue. They can go to any platform they want. Get the hell out of here. When you're talking about something like Google and Facebook and Amazon and the right. power that they have sure. to make or break a business, to make or break your ability to share information... You can say that, yes, technically, I guess I could go to Reddit or I could go to, no, I don't know. Reddit too. Oh, sorry, not Reddit. <laughs> All right, fine. So I can go to, I mean, what the hell's left? I could, yeah, go, to, I could yeah. go to somewhere and talk. But sure. the reality of it is, is that even though these are, quote, private enterprises, right. the hold that they have on the way that we operate, the way that we communicate, the way we run our businesses is extraordinary. And there's not an alternative that is equal to or greater than what they offer and in, in almost all cases. Yeah. And so I think both of those are non-arguments. Free speech is not dead. Government hasn't done anything different. You still have your First Amendment rights. You can still express yourself. You can do all that stuff. That's a non-argument. But also it's true, it's a non-argument that like, oh, what are you talking about? He, Trump could just go to another platform. Like, no, no, no. But, 99% of everything is Facebook, Google, and Amazon. Right. So Period. I, I will say to even to the first point about free speech is, is now dead. First of all, free speech is not entirely free. It never has been. Right. You Correct. can't go out publicly and, and threaten the president that you're going to go and kill him and not expect any kind of repercussion for it. You can't. Like, you can't even. You can't say, do that. So that. Yeah. So that's always been the case. And many. We're talking about that right now. Many. Many. Part of the problem here is that you're having that type of conversation on these platforms. Mm-hmm. In the same way that you couldn't just go out in the street and just say that. You couldn't go on television and just say that. Go on radio and say, "Hey, I plan on kill the president." Correct. And, but, but, and expect that. Wait, that's just my free speech. Right. No, no, no. But what's wrong with the argument that there's already a law against that? So let's get them for that law. Sure. So yeah. Put, put that. Put that to the side. Sure. Right. So 
that's sort of my my second my first point of view. The second one, and I I I could I understand I could, uh, and I have to a certain degree empathy to the point that people are making is that you have these non-elected individuals who are making basically across the board decisions on on how things get impacted at a scale that we've never seen before. All of I, which live in the same in the same zip code, roughly, and all of <laughs> all all of which at least you know, uh, yeah. on the basis of. Some evidence. Primarily the same coast. <laughs> primary, well, the same coast, the same zip code, and the same, generally yeah. speaking, same ideological principles, yeah. right? So it's like it, that's but, the part that is scary. But isn't it, but but what but what's what I find interesting about that argument is that look, one very uh, uh, a very strong staple of conservative Republican policy and mm-hmm. point of view has been always been one about free markets. Just let the free markets do what they need to do. They always are best. Government's inefficient. Government doesn't know what they're doing. Da, da, da. Free markets. This is a perfect case of free markets making a decision that probably we could look at it and be like, even if I agree with it, I I, I share some of your concern. We're like, but, yeah, but, but is that right? But it's not. But it's not a binary thing, and it's not an absolute uh, an absolutist thing. At least not as not as I agree not with as you. But, but the free, point that I'm making free is free markets that, does not mean no regulation. Free market doesn't mean that I, you can enter you. every industry and every sector with you know just like these companies are doing. They're not just in in tech. They're in cars. Sure. They're in solar power. They're in all. They're all all these different industries. Yeah. The, the point I'm, I'm getting to yeah. is that if you want to solve for that, free markets is not to solve. It's actually not an issue of even that having too much consolidated power because when you look at the number of platforms. We're not talking about just like one or two. It's across the board. Like all these are the platforms that basically said we want no part of this. We want no part in our platform being used in any way whatsoever. A, correct. To but there's participate a difference in this kind of insurrection. Well, let's let's talk about that. So Airbnb is an example. Uh-huh. Um, decided to not fit, fill the reservations of a lot of people who somehow they figured out were in D.C. or trying to get an Airbnb in D.C. to cause trouble. Now, I don't know how they figured that out. I think there's probably a lawsuit coming on the basis of that. Um, If I had my reservation canceled just because I happen to be in D.C., we actually know some people who were in D.C. specifically for this, right? And like maybe they they weren't for this, but yeah, they were in D.C. No, but I mean, I'm sorry, not specifically for this, but specifically (laughs) at the same time. So anyway, my point is Airbnb, right, can do that. But when you've got hotels.com, booking.com, a bunch of different places that can get sort of rental shares, whatever, that's one thing. When Google says, what, look at our business, man. We've got, first of all, Google search, Google mail, the Google app. We use Google map. We, everything that we use is Google. If Google decided to just mm-hmm. tomorrow turn us off because they don't like what we're saying on this podcast, we're screwed. It's not right, like we right, can right. go. Like, no, yeah, that's, that's super fair. I, I'm, I'm referring more to not the parlor situation, because I think to your point, with just three companies alone, they've like they sunk this thing immediately. They sh- it's just shut down. Google, Apple, and Amazon. That is the triple kiss of death, if there is ever a triple kiss of death. What I'm actually more speaking to, Charlie, mm-hmm. is actually what happened with President Trump. And when you look at these, every single one of these platforms saying, we want no part of this, so therefore, we can, I'm sorry, but we cannot let you like be on this and, and, and literally risk having this kind of language in here that could cause another kind of event. To me, it would be the equivalent that if Airbnb, then Hotels.com, then Yelp, uh, then yeah, Yelp, I get, no, not Yelp, um, Kayak, all these other companies all come out and have the same kind of stance, mm-hmm. right? So therefore, mm-hmm. the solve is not necessarily about one or two companies here, is that in these cases, there is going to be some kind of regulation that needs to take place in order to better address this in a manner that feels, feels more equitable, right? Because you could still have, even with a lot of competition, even with a lot more... Uh, uh, or, you know, spread it out in terms of these businesses, they can still all come back to the same exact same conclusion with a line was crossed that we just can't be part of. 
And therefore, across the board, we're shutting you out. In and the in case the- of Parler, it just happened to be that in a very, it's very um, uh, concentrated. Yeah. And in these few companies, like basically with a, a flip of a switch, like you're done. Yeah. Look, and I, I agree with you, right? I like think that's, that there was to the to the theme of the show the the idea of a line being crossed and the bell being unrung. I think there's a number of things that were crossed that we don't get to go back on. Number one is to see the capital being raided the way it was, to see people lose their lives, people who and and, and people who were kind of fomenting this, who are in no way, shape, or form, I want to be clear about saying this, representing 75 million other people. There's just I agree not. With that. Just yeah, not. I entirely agree with that. Just yeah, not. yeah. And, but, but, but on top of that, they just, you know, so, so that's a line that was crossed, and we got to see that, and, and, and God willing, nothing like that will ever happen again. The other line that was crossed, I think, was Google, Facebook, and Amazon. I really do. I really do think that this parlor thing will eventually go to the Supreme Court. I do think that there will be, in any case, regulation. Um, Article two thirty of the thing that we talked about the last time. What was it? The 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 um, the yeah. Uh, the, uh, I'm blanking right now, but yes, I forget what it is. But you know, this is the 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 straw that broke that camel's back as well. Um, yeah, it could be interesting because, because I've even seen in Vox Jesus today in Vox or in Slate in Slate I saw an article today about how the taking off of you know Parler being taken down is actually something that nobody should be cheering about. And because the the reality of it is, is they can tomorrow decide something else is the, you know unpopular or they don't want it, and even if there's recourse to do something, you should follow that recourse legally, criminally, whatever it is. But to just decide, hey, you're done, you know what I mean? That's the part that I think has people very much concerned for what's. Po- I mean, I even thought about it. Like, I mean, look, this is just our little podcast, but who knows? Maybe like like right. what's to stop somebody from saying I don't like what you said, and maybe we're gonna. Deprioritize that. I, yeah, I think that's I, the that's I, the concern. I get that. I, I understand that concern. I think that the, the issue of your parlor or any of those other platforms, anyone, frankly, is that to what degree do you want to, as a business strategy, stick to the point that I am not going to do anything to try to regulate conversations, and really stick, stick to your gun, saying like we're a platform and we're all about freedom of speech, regardless of what that speech actually is, mm-hmm. or am I better off saying, hey, you know, there are certain types of conversations that I don't want in my own platform. Because there's nothing, even in the case of you supporting make, free speech, you can make that I can, determination. You can do that, but you're sure. called a publisher when you do. Right. But the reality is all of these social platforms are already in that dynamic, right? That's the challenging part about it because they already are. They are. They are in a dynamic of being both a platform and a publisher, but currently Parler is as well. Whether or not they want to admit to it or not is that they, they do hold responsibility for what happens in the platform. And basically Google, I'm not saying, look, and I get your point. I, I completely understand it. Google, uh, Apple, and Amazon say, you know what? I you may be all about free speech, but we're not going to be part of that conversation because, to your point, this line was crossed that there is no going back. Now, one additional point here that I thought we should just cover really quickly because mm-hmm. we've gone a little long already on this in this topic is the what happened with Cumulus. I, I, to me, that's not even yeah, that's a, a, a whole other. I don't think a lot of people know this one. So Cumulus, who's also the owner of uh, the syndication company Westwood One. Um, basically took a very aggressive stance on 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 some of this this um, you know more extreme you know rhetoric. Uh, Brian Phillips, who's the EVP of content for Cumulus, wrote an internal memo. We need to help induce national calm now. Um, we will not tolerate any suggestion that the election has not ended. The election has been resolved, and there are no alternate acceptable paths. If you transgress this policy, you can expect to separate from the company immediately. Now, that's very strong wording to be putting out there to that it can even be suggested that there is still some concern or question marks about the election. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and especially when you think about some of the main talent that Cumulus represents, right? Uh, sure. Which includes Mark Levin and Dan Bongino, uh, both of which have amplified, like many of the folks on the very uh, sort of extreme right, some of Trump's more uh, basically lies around the mass voter fraud and some of these issues that literally led to, to the events that happened uh, this past week. Another one that's not interesting in that category is Ben Shapiro, who is also considered, you know, he's one of the you know big stars in uh, in more conservative media. However, he's been one that has actually gone against the grain of conservative talk radio by actually telling listeners that Trump has been wrong in his claims at the election. Yeah, I think Trump. Rigged. I think Shapiro has been so, very very even handed with his uh, with his uh, approach to Trump. For yeah, which part. is which is kind and of interesting. Did not, but did not vote for him, and he was. Uh, oh, really? I didn't know yeah, that part. He did not vote for but him, but he, he's but he is one that's known. He's very conservative. Very conservative. But the bigger issue is this: is like. Now we're not even talking about, you know, uh, now you're talking about actually firing some of these big talent for even raising the point or the question. Right. And but, even for me, who's pretty liberal, like that kind of feels the, a little wrong. But then again, it, well, yeah. And, and but again, the, the consequences will be maybe I don't want to be distributed by Cumulus and I'll take sure. my show somewhere else. I think that in that case, the idea of Cumulus or Westwood One or any of these, they are not platforms in the sense that Google and Amazon and Facebook are. They are publishers. I mean, and if you're going to if you're going to use that designation to fit them, technically they're media companies or distributors. Yeah. But I think it makes total sense to say, hey, this isn't on brand. We don't want this in our thing. That to me is less controversial. But and I don't need to be on Cumulus to communicate with my mother or my cousins yeah, or yeah. whatever it is. I think the part that is that is a little shocking is understanding this the business, right? I disagree with the editorial over over you know overhandedness. I I think that it creates a very bad environment. I think that you know it, I think that the, the, that's probably going to end unhappily with people leaving and whatever. But at the end of the day, I think they're within their rights to do that. I don't think they're a platform. I yeah. think they're a media company. They're setting. They're make. They're, in my opinion, they're making an error in judgment in how they choose to do it. But they have that look. Disney says, "Hey, we don't want to have this or near our brand." And Mickey Mouse can't be too close to X. Those are all arbitrary things. But they make decisions editorially because they're a publisher and they're a brand. I think that's what's happening but, here with but, Cumulus. I agree with you. The part that to me is very shocking, though, is not that they can't do. It. Of course, they can do it. Like, well, I, Google I agree can do it you. too, but they shouldn't. I think it's different. I think it's different in degree and in kind. I don't think it's just like yeah, a difference. Let, let me let me get it yeah, up. Let me ahead, get it up. So the part that is shocked the shock about it is more to do how big of an audience or revenue these talent represent for them like these so, are massive stars so sure. that when you're making that call and, and telling these guys who are your biggest stars hey like i know this is a big part of your brand like you can't talk about it anymore like that's it or i'm gonna fire you that's a super aggressive stance that for a, a company like this mm-hmm. west one well by the way also has a bunch of other conservative mm-hmm. talent i mean that's taking quite a stance. Like that's what I was most shocked about. Nothing, nothing you can't. Of course, they can do it. Yeah, yeah, and I agree, and they can do other things. But it's it's literally taking your biggest stars and telling them that they're not going to do what what they, it's it's basically Spotify telling mm-hmm. Joe Rogan you can't have any more conservative, uh, ta- ta- you know, basically uh, talent on, on, may, on it. That may come next. Yeah, and and but it is to that degree. That's the reason why. I was more surprised about this kind of stance. Yeah, no, I agree. And you could say on one side, it's a super principled stance. What amazingly moral individual these guys are that they're standing on their principle and they're telling them, I don't care how much money is at stake. This is what's right. Great. The other the other cynical perspective is, look, I need some plausible deniability. I got to put the press release out to say that I did something. I, I think it's and that. then I'm going to just fight it out with these guys in the hallways and nobody's ever going to hear about it. Right. But at least I can point to the press release. Look, we've seen both. Do I believe one or the other more right now? I don't know. Probably be just because a lot of this stuff yeah. is pretty cynical. It's. I think. Look, this is going to be one. I, you know, maybe one of the things that came out. I hadn't thought about it enough that you brought up is the degree that this then sort of drives uh, conversation and issues that end up at the Supreme Court, especially around this, this whole dynamic around platform versus versus publisher. 
because it is a very unique uh, uh, thing that has just occurred. And I, I agree with you. Look, the most cynical view of this would be is that now for any and no reason, can these companies basically say, hey, we just don't like you or we think that you actually in some way may actually be a little competitive with, with us at some point. Maybe right now you're in, you're in your infancy, but at some point, if I'm Google, you know what? Maybe you're going to be a YouTube competitor maybe yeah. eventually. Yeah. I'm going to take you on my platform and then negotiate you to buy you out. Much, I mean, you could think about all those bad and that's of, Exactly. So I, I, I get and that. And that's kind of the case Parler's just, making in a way, right? Saying we grew too fast, we're too much of a they, threat. They are. They're not a threat from an not. absolute standpoint. I mean, give me a they're break. Not, but not, but, but, um, but it's certainly setting up a nice court case. You it, know what I mean? Well. It, it could be. It's going to give us more topics to talk about. I think that's a good thing. It certainly will. Yeah. Look, we didn't even talk about the other part of it, but we got to move on, um, which is the whole like, you know, fringe groups and all that yeah. stuff. And there's been, last point I'll say is, some things, uh, you know, there's been some comparison to what happened at the Capitol with what happened earlier in the summer with um, the uh, Black Lives Matter movement and some of the rioting that happened there in certain cases. I've even seen the side by side comparisons of lives lost, federal buildings burned and all that stuff. At the end of the day, that is a comparison that while it may be true, really has no it almost has no bearing, right? In other words, mm-hmm. and, 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 and just really quickly for, for, for just the record to clarify, there was something like 26 people that got killed over the summer in those protests relative to five or so that happened here. There was like $150 billion in damage to federal buildings relative to whatever happened here at the Capitol building. All that may be true, but the comparison doesn't really have a kind of context. In other words, like you're comparing that only because one side was in favor of one broadly and the other side was in favor of another. They really don't necessarily relate to each other, right? There was something unique about the Capitol um, Hill uh, event. I agree with you on that. I think it's uniquely damaging, uniquely destructive to to the democracy, uniquely abhorrent. All of that's true. And I don't think that for a minute erases or makes untrue all of the devastation that happened over the summer. A lot of people would say for all the right reasons and a right cause, and you got to break some omelets, you know, some eggs to make an omelet. But a lot of people died there too. And a lot of people, you know, a lot of property was damaged and all that stuff. But I, I think that that is a false kind of comparison or a false maybe equivalence to put those things together, if I'm being 100% honest. Um, so we didn't get a chance to talk about that, but that's yeah. just my, my, my maybe, perspective. Maybe on a, a different day. I think look to me on that point is the the first time in over 200 years and the last time being that the last happened, time we had muskets okay it was, it was a, the uh, british did that i mean it's just we had literally muskets that yeah but i agree with it. i mean look we can definitely talk about it at a different time but i think we do need to move on all right let's um, move on let's move on let's move on let's shake it off and let's uh let's get into courage or cringe it's we, a very some fun ones. <laughs> it's a very exciting assortment we're actually going to lighten lighten the mood a little bit for yes. about two seconds and then we'll get all heavy and depressing afterwards no just kidding no, um, no these, are all, these are all fun ones these are all fun ones um i think the first one is some new language that got adopted by the house of representatives this is fun what is this about? So, on, look, it almost feels silly to talk about these things, but like so much heavy stuff has happened that why not? Let's talk about some stuff that is not as, as heavy. So on Monday, January 4th, um, which now feels like a decade ago, this right. just, just last like Monday, last ago, week. Right. a week and a day ago, uh, the House uh, representatives approved a new set of rules for the 117th Congress in a 217 to 206 party line vote. Right, meaning that pretty much the uh, Democrats voted for it, Republicans voted against it. Now, these rules had a bunch of different things on them, right? So they had new provisions to extend remote voting. That's, by the way, on House measures, not not related to voting for you know presidency or any of that mm-hmm. during the pandemic. 
uh, protecting whistleblowers, limiting the, the minority's ability to amend legislation on the floor. There's a bunch of details there that we need to get into. Uh, even making the Office of Diversity and Inclusion permanent to help house offices uh, with recruiting, hiring, uh, as well as serving diversity and issues as, uh, a, 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 and issues uh, to report on each, on each session. But there was one provision within that order that at minimum probably raised some eyebrows and definitely raised some rage, which I, I love that. Which basically was around so the use. perfect for the show. Yeah, which was the use of gender neutral language mm-hmm. in the house rules, right? Which included pronouns and references to familiar relationships like father, son, mother, and daughter. Uh, to be clear, this is not like this is not like how they talk to each other. This is like what is actually written down as the official house stuff. Yeah, like gr- the yeah, great. Initially, I had to right away look at that because, it, of course, when you read the headlines, it's, it's all very broad in terms of- Go to of the source, baby. Yeah. Go to the source. So the rule change does not ban, exactly what you're getting to, uh, Charlie, the use of gendered language in the house. Instead, it renames specific official language found in the house rules. So only relates to how it's written in some of the house rules, right? So I thought it'd be fun to maybe talk about some of the examples um, uh, that were that were that were Let's found do. in the rules Let's that will do. that will be changed. There's been a bunch of memes on this. So the first one kind of cracked me up immediately, just because I'm slightly childish. Uh, so the term semen will replace by you need C- to you need to spell that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. S E A S E A semen will replace with seafarers. Okay, right. Chairman will become chair. Okay, oh, she's pretty straightforward. Uh, terms for familiar relationships such as mother, father, daughter, daughter, son, sister, and brother will be swapped with terms such as parent, child, and sibling. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a, so. Mother, father, daughter, son, sister, and brother officially banned from official language for the House of Representatives and the, the rules. Right. I mean, by the way, and that was a, that's a good example. Like, I, I am, I am curious in terms of how that's being used. The context. The context. I think the context matters because in many cases, mm-hmm. what they were talking about. Actually, the next one is a good way to, to think to about extent, it. Is that Phrases as he or she serves or he or she holds. Uh, Submit his or her resignation. Right. It's like, or, or you could think about it maybe for the previous one we were talking about. If it's like, you know, son or daughter, um, whatever, brother or sister, you could see, practically speaking, say child, sibling, like that kind of captures it much better than doing the, so I don't know, but I don't know what the examples actually are, right? Um, and then the, the one that's a little bit interesting is the mm-hmm. word himself and herself replaced with themselves. Um, so it's kind of across the board, right? And of course, there was rage and mm-hmm. completely different points of view, right? So just to summarize, and I don't even want to add direct quotes, but just to, here's the the two log lines for mm-hmm. the for the response. Democratic leadership, proud to be more inclusive, was basically the the log line. Mm-hmm. Republican leadership, this is stupid. Like it, it, there was like, there was no in between. There is yeah. the two like very that's very emblematic of where we are. Points you, of view. So do you want to go first? Go or? ahead, Charlie. Go ahead. So I just want for the record to cite one thing, which I think it is just deliciously ironic that the woman who um, pushed through this um, new rule change, uh, the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi's, Mm -hmm. Nancy Pelosi, her Twitter handle says, Speaker of the House, focus on strengthening America's middle class and creating jobs, mother, grandmother, and dark chocolate connoisseur. So that's the person who is- By the way, that that is a classic- in this case, for this for this story, referenced by almost heard almost every single conservative story that talked about this, and, immediately uh, called that out. I'll be no 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 different. Which, in that by regard. the way, this is not about that, right? It's not about how individuals. But my point, but it, but, themselves. but it is about inclusivity of language, which is supposed to be a priority. But it's a priority only in this context, but not a priority for you anywhere else. 
that is the duplicity that's actually being pointed out, at least in the case that I'm, of I'm using it. Let's see. Let's hear the rest of it. So, I'm, no, already, I'm already not buying it. Go ahead. So I don't know if you know this, Jesus, but coming up in high school, I was a fan of, and, and probably still am to a large degree, of a, of a progressive rock band called Rush. Okay. You've, you ever heard of Rush? I have You've heard, heard of Rush. Rush right? yeah, Canadian yeah. rock trio, power yeah. ballads, and everything else. And yeah, musically, I'm, I'm not a Rush fan. I'll be the first. To musically, admit it. very talented. Well, you know, it's an acquired taste. Let's just say. But okay. um, th- but they, you know, they were famous. The the drummer Neil Peart just died actually out here in Santa Monica not too long ago. But uh, they were, you know, a rock band playing for forty plus years mm-hmm. and um, had a lot of great uh, of great success. One of their songs is a song called "The Trees" from the '70s, and there's a beautiful lyric in it. Um, and I thought about that lyric when I thought about this story. And the lyric oh says, the, the song is called The Trees, mm-hmm. okay? And the lyric says, and the trees are all kept equal by hatchet, axe, and saw. Mm. Okay? Because that's exactly what's happening here. We don't drive unity by eliminating whole classes of people and by eliminating a term like mom or dad from from language. I think that eliminating those differences does nothing to actually accentuate somebody who may not feel that they fall into those particular categories. I think it just turns everything into a bland, generic, homogenous blah of, of, of kind of nondescriptness rather than actually lifting up the beauty of individuals and the, the, the beauty of, of, of those particular designations. Never mind the fact that, you know, I think it's something to be proud of, to be a mom, to be a dad, to be a brother, to be a sibling. And so I, I see in particular that one mm-hmm. is to me, to me, this whole thing, you know, I, is, is maybe I wouldn't say it's stupid, but it, it does seem like the kind of thing in the moment that we're living in today that you wouldn't sort of make job one when you get back from the break. You know what I mean? It's like the first right. thing we're going to do is make sure that we don't ever say mom in our official documents. It just, it seems a little bit, it seems contrived. It seems like a lack of, of prioritization. Mm-hmm. I can totally understand why people crapped all over it. Um, that's not to say that there are people who don't define themselves in this terms in these terms, and I completely understand that, but erasing the 90 some odd percent who do is not the way to solve for that. So for me, this one's a cringe. Um, Expected perhaps, but there it is. <laughs> yeah, but that's okay. Um, I, I think a couple of things here is, there are some of these changes, but I could see and like, it just, they feel like, right. Like chairman will become chair. Sure. You know, the, probably the one example I give you, um, where this came up but, to me but, recently. But hang on, sorry to interrupt you. Uh-huh. Is it chairman becomes chair or is it chairman and chairwoman become chair? I think, I think that's I, what it is. I think it's what it is. Yeah. Which so becomes chair. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a big difference between those two things. Chairman becoming chair, I'd be like, sure, why not? Cause there will be a chairwoman, but right. they're saying no, no more chairmen and no more chairwomen. It's chair. Right. right, it's chair. Okay. Um, I, I think. I mean, based on how they said it, that's that's what I'm assuming. Um, and that, by the way, sounds right to me. Like, I, I don't have I don't have any issue with that whatsoever. Um, and now the example that I that I that I would give you, which is it was an interesting one. Um, we were driving with my daughter the other day. This happened now a few weeks ago, and we happened to be driving right by a fire station. Mm-hmm. And so she she asked me something. I forgot what it was, and I said something something fireman. Mm-hmm. Right, something about the firemen, and then she looks at me. And she's like, "Well, why can't women be 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 firemen?" And I'm like, well, "What do you mean they're firemen?" I'm like, "I was thinking, oh, because I'm saying firemen." I'm like, "Oh yeah, like firefighters," and that's the kind of thing that it, it, so I give a little bit of pause and kind of hearing my daughter, who's eight years old, ask me this question. And it's the kind of thing where you know when when you use the term fireman, it could refer to men or women. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and it's something that is very commonly used. And of course, I hear it doesn't offend me. It doesn't, I have no reaction one way or the other. Yeah. But I also kind of have perspective like, look, is there now a more evolved way to say that it doesn't always feel like it has to be the male version that sort of is all encompassing for every single version, of, especially now that you actually do have women that actually are, uh, you know, work for the fire department? Like, why not? And, and some of these are in the why not category for me. I do find, and I would just love to better understand the familiar relationship. Because that's, that's an odd one to me a little bit. Because to me, it's about being more specific, right? If, if someone really, if something is really referring to a mother and it's specifically to a mother, then saying that, I don't have an issue with it. But if it's more about using father or using one sex as the definitive for all, for basically all encompassing. That's definitely not what, that's not what's happening. Then I don't, I don't think it's a, it's, it's, it's a great way to do it. Or using it in a way as an example, instead of say using parent, right? Because many times we say he, he, but really mean he or she. Right. Or the opposite. Well, you've yeah. seen the when people write it and then they make it a point to use she as the as the as the, the noun, yeah. right? Um, I get that. Mm-hmm. I get why it would just be simpler to do that. So those are the ones. To, to me, there were some paces here where I could definitely love to see more context of how it's being used. Look, I came in in saying cringe with you. Not because I have so much issue with the changes here, because I'm actually I'm giving you, you a standing O. You and Inter- you and I have talked about it. You're not <laughs> on the inside. You and I have talked about this before. Whereas, like, I'm much more uh, for, like, I just believe that language changes, and I'm okay with language changing and evolving with the times and evolving to be more. By the way, I don't disagree. Of, I don't disagree with that. It's the method by which language changes. No, but, but should, you're, should, but you're a lot like, more traditional. We've talked about this. We have, but but my uh, point is the mechanism of how language changes is also important. Language changing by mandate, by fiat, by law is one thing. Language changing by illuminated people discussing things in a much more elegant way and then drawing other people to that completely different that's how we've done things right but me well, making but this both happen though me, don't you think i don't know give me an example of how it's happened in the past we're, we're gonna take too long and then this one <laughs> all right but so you're I, cringe I, so i'm cringe and the reason i'm cringe by the way is just the timing of it look and and, and it, people are giving these people a lot, of, a lot of crap because like really is this the most important thing it's not it's part of a whole set of things that they that was that, that was included but the fact that even it was included to become a thing right now, we have so many like really big things happening is what ultimately, even if I would agree with some of the ways it's being used, is why I would put it in cringe. Got it. Okay. Bat in a thousand. Very good. Heading forward in with a lot of positivity that we're going to continue to agree, Jesus, in the spirit of Doubt it. conviviality. Let's, let's it's amazing. Okay. So uh, Stacey Abrams, I guess, is next. And, and Stacey Abrams, who's now been trust. canonized, has so, now been canonized. Uh, so uh, this is kind of a funny one. On Wednesday, January 6th. Uh, so also this- 100 years ago. <laughs> exactly, right? So this was uh, the day after the election and the day, the infamous day when there was the breach at the Capitol. But mm-hmm. that morning, before we knew there was going to be a breach in the Capitol, mm-hmm. uh, Governor Gretchen Whit- uh, Whitmer uh, from Michigan shared in a tweet an image of a Catholic prayer candle, right, which replaced the religious figure that typically is in the front, which will be you know, typically a, a, either a picture of... Of 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 Jesus, Jesus Christ, or maybe a, you know a saint, or maybe the Virgin Mary. It could be a combination of things, right? But it replaced the figure with the Democratic activist Stacey Abrams of Georgia, right? Now this is obviously in reference to the role that Stacey Abrams has played in being able to turn the state blue, both for the presidential election and now, and this is really what this is referring to. Uh, for the upset that occurred and overtaking the two incumbent senators. Uh, now, when she shared this, that by that morning, uh, Reverend Warnock, uh, Warnock had already uh, been uh, Kelly Loeffler, and that had already been called. Mm-hmm. And then the other race was already look, was trending to see that uh, John also was going to look like he was going to win. And he has sent, of course, uh, has been also David Perdue. 
But um, there was, you know, obviously some some immediate pushback on this. Um, of course, these candles are traditionally used by Catholics in prayer, um, right, and, and are very traditional. And some of the initial immediate condemnation came from, of course, the Republican side of the equation. Uh, and one in particular, and I quote, as a Catholic, I am insulted that Governor Whitmer would mock such an important religious symbol to make a political statement, said Michigan Republican Party Chairman Laura Cox. Uh, she continued, I wish I could say I expected more from Governor Whitmer, but unfortunately her term as governor is rife with these type of political stunts and poor attempts at humor. The governor owes Michigan two million Catholics an apology. End quote. Yikes. So it's as short as that. I mean, that was that was the main thing. So by the way, there's a bunch of them too. I looked it up. The Stacey Abrams uh, prayer. There's like variations. She's in well, different positions. It. Somebody's that, put that's like why, okay, Etsy is, stores. Well, I'm going to go this? with this one first. You're, you need to, yeah, yeah. Really so to me, is is uh, look. So the, the issue. I guess, well, let's agree. What are we actually encouraging or cringing on? On the reaction I, I think, to? Or, no, no, or no, the, I think on, on her doing it. On, on, on her, her doing, doing it. On her, yeah, doing. On her um, tweet showing the, the, the same candle with Stacey Abrams' face on it. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to say courage because nothing actually courageous about doing it, right? But I do think is so. Yeah, I guess I'll have. Well, to, I don't know. Some people might say that it's courageous. Though. It's, that there's is, that nothing. Is, it's a look. Okay, but that is a point of view you're sharing. That, that there's nothing courageous. Somebody might say, "Well, that's great because this is you know we're recognizing that she is at that level of sainthood because she's been an amazing champion." No, but, but, of but the whole thing is not equality a, and right, who right, knows. Right. Um, you, could, you could say something like that. How do I say this? Um, maybe make my case and then I could come back at the end in terms of what I what my stance Okay, so right now if so, you're listening, go to the bathroom, come back yeah, in about 10 minutes. No, no, my case is like, it's a bad joke. It's a joke and it's a bad joke. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it makes it okay to make to make jokes. And, and, and the reality is that, look, my, fr- frankly, my first exposure to these humor candles that I've seen thousands of them, maybe hundreds of thousands of them, was mostly in going to Latino markets. Where Latino marks are very known for having these religious candles. That's actually my. I, I, as a matter of fact, I even look them up as Mexican candles. They're not. Yeah. But I think of them as Mexican candles, but because they're, they're very popular among sure. Mexican Catholics, right? To have you know, the Virgin, especially the Virgin Mary one, mm-hmm. is probably the most popular one, I think. Um, but I've seen so many variations of this with Snoop Dogg, with like actors, musicians, with Beyonce is a big one, like. All the time across the board, I've seen it in shirts. I've seen it like in memes. Like it's such a common thing, and it's like a kind of a homage is the wrong word, but it's like a funny way of people saying like, "Oh, I'm a, such a big fan of this person," right? Mm-hmm. And I do think it's very popular culture. So from that standpoint, while I can understand and I understand the point, like someone being offended, this does not act like so offended that this is the first time anyone's done this in a way that obviously it was it was she's doing it as a as a joke, maybe a joke that came off poorly, maybe the fact that it's her doing it. But it's a joke that's been done hundreds of thousands of times. And frankly, I've never heard anyone be offended by it till like till, till this time. Right. Right. And and that's why for me, it's hard to put it cringe for that reason because it's I don't find it that cringy, mm-hmm. even though I understand people's position on it. But I really can't say it's courage because there's nothing courageous about it. It's a it's a bad joke. So drum roll. I don't know. I guess cringe for not being a good at telling jokes. Oh, uh, so, so I, I don't know. It's like I, I, I can't put I guess cringe on the I, show. I notes. can't really put courage. I mean, nothing courage is about. You gotta it. pick one. Fine, I'll go courage. Just because I think it's. A, I just don't think. I don't. I, I don't think it's cringe. It's, it's really that. I okay. think it was a joke that was a joke. 
that, of course, is a reason to get someone to get all fired up and make it a thing that it's really not. Yeah, I agree. It is a joke. I also agree that that doesn't um, that that the fact that something is a joke means it takes it out of consideration for being cringy. I think you can say a joke and have it be cringy. Sure. In fact, if you've ever heard most dad jokes, they tend to be cringy, right? Yeah. That's where the terminology kind of originated. I just don't think any, I don't, I don't, you don't see thought any, any malice was I don't see zero, I see zero malice yeah. against the Catholic faith. I, zero malice. I understand that. I also think that to the point that we've been making for four years about President Trump, when you're in public office, there is a, uh, an elevated sense of propriety that you should bring to your role about the things that you communicate outwardly, yeah, right? So, I, I get um, that. So somebody who's the governor... that's what makes you question it, right? Like, that, that's the reason why I'm right, like... Right, so you're the governor of a state, and it also helps me to kind of play this out. Let me think about this. Let's say we just talked about Mike Pence, and you know what? In a way, he was a grown-up, and he did whatever. So what happens if maybe a pro... A anti-Trump Republican were to post, um, you know, I don't know, Mike Pence with a hijab saying, like the great prophets of, of Islam, you also, uh, you know, achieved the outcome, right? Or let's say we have a menorah, um, you know, messaged out and say, you know, uh, you're the eighth candle or lit for whatever it is, right? Or, I mean, you could, you could figure out the examples, right, using other faiths. Sure. But I think that Christianity in general is, I mean, sadly, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I think it's kind of the one religion that it's okay to make fun of. I think it is. Mm. And I disagree with that. And I think that Actually. something that has a, a usage that is um, in this context, because I agree with you, there are the Snoop Dogs and the Beyonce's and all those different things. And it's a little bit of almost like this kind of tongue in cheek sort of thing that is supposed to say, hey, you're, you're the bomb, right? You're like, right. you're amazing. You kind of rise to this level. But I think those are not being promoted from a pulpit like this one is, um, and also so politicized, which is another thing that it, that is you know kind of offensive to me when religious artifacts and things are are kind of politicized. So it's definitely a joke. I don't think she meant anything wrong right. with it. I also think it's definitely cringeworthy. It's not something she should have done. Um, I can see that. And and uh, so. I can defend it, like, cause, but it's yeah, just, I but it. I but I do think there's zero ill it. intent in doing yeah. that. And just and for everybody to know, I mean, these candles are not things you. It's not like you worship the can. The candle is basically a reminder right. to um, for a particular person to intercede for you. So like, you know, if I would ask somebody here, hey, pray for me, I'm going into surgery. Well, in the same way, if you're a Catholic, you pray for people who have already passed on to pray for you. You ask them to pray for you because presumably at that point, since they're already gone, they're closer to God so that right. they can pray for you on, on your behalf. That's what it is. So it's something pretty, you know, it's, it's something of reverence. It's something that is um, obviously to some cultures, like you mentioned, the Mexican culture, not just Mexican, but, but definitely the Mexican mm -hmm. culture. It's something that's pretty well held and revered. And so it, it just, it, the, the, it was, yes, it was done without intent. It was also done to be cute and flashy and right. look how awesome I am and to gain some kind of currency and some it's kind like of political points. Pop culture currency. It was. Or it to was. Just, or, to, or to signal to Stacey Abram, who's a big up and coming person in the party. Yeah. Like, Hey, remember me? I'm the one who tweeted that picture. Right. Remember me? So like when you're looking for your cabinet, you can remember what I did. So yeah. I, it's just cringe around the board for oh, okay. me. It's not even I, close. I can see that. Uh by the way, the, the one thing, and I, I hate to share Are we on story. hour three yet? Because this is really... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, the one thing I would just share as a, as a funny running joke, yeah. maybe, not, maybe now I shouldn't say it. Hysterical. <laughs> as ahead. a running joke Tell that me. I have with my mom, uh -huh. um, who, you know, she's 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 religious and, mm -hmm. and she's great. She's but Catholic. She's Catholic, yes. yes. Um, but we talk, uh, I just kind of joke with her when there was something that she's like upset about. I'm like, oh, like, I, I have like this, I've created this in my mind, this fictitious like Latina mom mm -hmm. who's very catholic religious mm -hmm. who is always making the argument 
of that she's going to pray to her Virgin Mary, like a very specific, from a very specific town, from a very specific lake. Because that's the good one. That's the good one. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I have this ongoing joke with her. And she always like, my always cracks her up. Maybe that's why I always say it. But there is also this kind of f- mm-hmm. like like uh, fandom that that has that it sure, does that happens in, uh, in and I can't speak for any other versions of of the Catholic faith, but specifically I'm speaking to like small town Catholic faith of which mm-hmm. in many cases they, they do. Ha- and I've seen that plenty of times where people are very like, no, 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 well, this is the one that well, that does miracles. A hundred percent. Yours is not that. Yours is okay. But this one is really good, right? right? There, there definitely is and, that, but that is, that, that, me but that is right. uh, obviously not something that the Catholic Church teaches. It is something that you know, it's people, very, very pop culture, though. It's like, very pop Latino culture, and pop people culture. do that. You know, if you're if you're from Portugal, you're going to be about Our Lady of Fatima. If you're from right. France, Our Lady of Lourdes. If you're from Mexico, Our Lady of Guadalupe. She's the one. She's the uh, she's the Mac Daddy. No, she's, the, the one that cracks me up is the one that's like then all the derivatives one, like the one from this lake, from right. that. You know, yeah. it's like they correspond to all the different right, operations. Right, right. So, yeah. anyways, well, very good. All right, All right, so last one. Last I lost. One. I lost count where we Bill, are. Bill are, we, are we in agreement, or we're still? We're, no, we're we're we're, uh, we're agreement, and then we okay. So now we're at five hundred. Five hundred. Yes, got it. Last Bill one. Belichick. Uh, Bill Belichick. So CNN reported that New England's Patriot head coach Bill Belichick has announced that he is a, declining the Presidential Medal of Freedom, which he was scheduled to receive from President Donald Trump. Uh, this, this coming Thursday on January fourteenth, mm-hmm. so in two days. Um, Basically, and Belichick said, recently I was offered the opportunity to receive the Presidential Medal of Freedom, which I was flattered by out of respect for what the honor represents and admiration for prior recipients. Uh, subsequently, the tragic events of last week occurred, and the decision has been made not to move forward with the award. By the way, key, key for wording here, the decision, I, not gonna, I'm gonna my jump decision. All, I'm going to jump all over that. Decision. The decision yeah. has been made, right? Yeah. Above all, I'm an American citizen with great reverence for our nation's values, freedom, and democracy. Mm-hmm. Now, just a little bit of context, right? So in 2016, um, you know, Bill Belichick, he wrote a letter of support to Trump. Um, and he told reporters after Trump, you know, glushed about the letter because, you know, Trump has been one that actually, and it's not just... Bill Belichick, as a matter of fact, you know, uh, uh, Brady, uh, Tom Brady, when he was a quarterback of, of, of the Patriots, is also one that had at least, you know, it was public, some, you know, friendship with President Trump, which he was also, you know, President Trump definitely, you know, talked about quite a bit, as well as the ownership of um, Robert Kraft, the owners of, of, of the, the Patriots. So there's a lot of ties from the team and President Trump specifically, right? Um, but he said, basically, uh, Bill Belichick, our friendship goes back many years. Anybody who spends more than five minutes with me knows I'm not a political person. My comments are not politically motivated. I have a friendship with Donald, right? So that's what he said in 2016. By the way, just to finish off the letter that he sent, uh, he also added, I also represent my family and New England Patriots team. One of the most rewarding things in my professional career took place in 2020 when, through the great leadership within our team, conversations about social justice, Equality and human rights moved to the forefront and became actions. Uh, end quote. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, <laughs> Charlie, I just I love mean, it's, it's so uh, interesting. I, don't know. I, I just it's the, the, the so whole the, common the, yeah. decision has been made, and by someone that look obviously has a you know public friendship with with President Trump, works for an organization that has a lot of ties with with the president. Um, you know, coach for many, many years, a a quarterback uh, with Tom Brady that also has a close friendship with with President Trump, mm-hmm. and and to really like sort of decline the invite to get this uh, Presidential Medal, Medal yeah. of Freedom. It's 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 really interesting. And to me, the first thing that I thought about is, 
What does this say about the dynamics that are going on within the team and with the players specifically? That's exactly that what That he yeah. felt that the decision this, had to be made. This seems... Regardless of what he thought personally. This seems very... Because there was a lot of like, you better not this go do this. Very Otherwise, reluctant. The wording is It's terrible though. If you think suspect. about it, right? It makes it worse well, in my mind. It, it does make it worse, right? So um, I was flattered to do yeah. it. Um, but the tragic after the tragic events last week, the decision has been made not to move forward. It's like, the I decision, apologize because Who you are upset by your own reaction right. to none but, of my but, fault. Right. But, he, but, here's <laughs> a ser- but here's a serious question, right? The Presidential Medal of Freedom established, I think, in the early 60s. Um, people who've been awarded this, Jackie Robinson, Mother Teresa, Walt yeah. Disney, John yeah. Steinbeck, um, Neil Armstrong, Tennessee Williams. I mean, we're talking about a list of in- people who've had a dramatic impact in culture, people who've had a dramatic impact in national security and and um, um, and just really the country's thriving. So this is a major award. In fact, it is the highest award that any citizen, non-military person can earn. Right. And it's directly given by the president of the United States. So the question was, at the top of the show, was should the person in the office in other words, should the award by the president have more to do about who's in the office or more about the dignity in the, of the actual office itself? Like, in other words, you're receiving that award on behalf of the American people, on behalf of the presidency of the United States. Mm-hmm. And in light of all these people who've come before you, Mother Teresa, you think Mother Teresa probably agreed with whoever it was, Lyndon Johnson, who gave her that thing? I mean, right. I, I think that, 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 to my mind, it's about the office, the dignity of the office and the award itself transcend the occupant of that given office. I think this seemed like it was a coerced thing, like he wasn't 100% on board, or it's just the clumsiest written press release in the history of man. It's terrible. And, it's terrible. And, and to me, for all of those reasons, ultimately I netted out on a cringe. Now, if he... If that's the way he feels, or that's the decision he's made, more power to you. Like, it's I, not the way he feels. It's they, so obvious by the worst... The worst, the worst yeah. statement you could possibly give yeah. is is the worst, right? Yeah. It's like decision made by somebody else, and but, then to add the whole thing about I learned right. so much, and it's like shut right. up, right? Like, right? Obviously, it's you just, do not feel that way. It sounds obviously it sounds, it sounds terrible. That combination is fake. terrible. It sounds right? pretty fake. And this is not the most eloquent guy in the world. In fact, if you've seen the sub- subway commercials that that feature him, no. like they actually riff on the fact that he doesn't really talk. So, like, it literally just has him staring at people for the commercial for thirty seconds. Right. This is not somebody who's an orator, who's somebody who's very gifted in languages. He's just kind of a really great football coach. But nevertheless, I don't think he actually believes what is written in this thing. But even beyond that, because I'm not actually cringing on that. That is a cringe, by the way, the way that this whole thing was done. I'm cringing, if I had to, on the fact that I see that award not being given to you by a person. I see it given to you by people, the people of the United States of America. And I think you have to look back at all the other recipients that have received that. And in honor to them and in honor to the country, receive receive that medal. That's the way that I would look at it. Wait, wait, so are you cringe or cringe on this? No, thing? I'm cringe. I'm okay, cringe okay, on cringe. on all of it. But I'm saying I didn't want to yeah, make. Yeah, the, yeah. I didn't want people to think that I was cringing because of the way it happened. Like right. the way it happens is also a cringe because right. the press release is BS. The whole thing is BS, yeah, frankly. Yeah, yeah. But but I think just the idea of like I don't like this guy, so I'm not going to take his award when it's not his award. It's the country's award. But I, okay. it's the president's. It's the presidency's award. I guess so, is my point. Okay, so I will start with definitely cringe. So we're we're green. So we're at what sixty percent? I guess we never we can never break sixty six. We're yeah. So Sorry. I'm definitely cringe um, because the whole just the press release is terrible and mm-hmm. how he did it right. Uh, but going back to uh, to answer at least I have a point of view of your question you asked at the beginning. Right? Okay. Does the award given by the president lose its meaning by virtue of the person occupying the office? Um, 
And I, I, th- I think the answer in this case is yes. And it's, it's, it's actually really sad to say that. And because the part that I, that I would disagree with you is not the history of that award and everything that it represents and even Mother Teresa and anyone else that has received this award. But I think this is another example where President Trump set a new bar for how he handles things, where he made the award his award, right? Because one of the things that people call to immediately is who he's been giving his award to, Mm-hmm. And many cases, people that are his most loyal like friends and people are like, well, wait, why did you give the award to this person? And being like, no, 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 this is the award that I'm giving you, right? Um, so some of the ones That's in this article true. that talked about is Devin Nunez, Jim Jordan. These are both folks that have been like some of the most, you know, loyal political allies for, from, uh, uh, for President Trump who defended him throughout the impeachment, impeachment process. So he used as award to be like, a, hey, here's a recognition. He gave it to Rush Limbaugh as well. I think he got a freedom, a freedom of, uh, Medal of Freedom. He By did. the way, I'm not even arguing that Rush Limbaugh deserves it or, or doesn't deserve it, but it just comes off as very overly political and actually making the, the medal and the award about the person. He made it about him. And I think for that reason, I do think that in this case, it actually does diminish it. Uh, which so is sad. Like, which is sounds, sad, but actually. It sounds like you think about that. But whatever. it sounds like your courage then. You're, you, you think it's courageous that he did what he did. Not that it's cringy that he no, did what he did. No, it's super cringe. I cringe on the decision that Bill, Bill Belichick uh, and how it was handled. Okay. I, I, I cringe 100% in how it was handled. Got it. Right? Because I don't believe it was his decision Got at it. all. Okay, so you, you, at you, all. you arrive at the same place I did, but by different means. Yeah, yeah. So let I, don't, me, I don't believe he, yeah, not at all. Let, he, by the way, he made it worse, which is, which is, if it was like to try to appease mm. like his players and feeling like he supported them, he doesn't. Yeah. It is extremely obvious the way, the way that he, they wrote it. Let me, let me um, just last point to try to, um, mm-hmm. let's take for granted everything that you just said. Trump has made it his award, <laughs> all that stuff. Yeah. What I would have done if he really believes this, is I would have gone there, I would have received that medal, and then, like every award uh, recipient, they have a chance to speak. And at that moment, speak the thing that you believe is true, but take the award. That would have been a way to basically seize the moment, provide your perspective on what's going on, but not basically um, sort of erase, to my mind, kind of diminish and devalue yeah. the actual award itself, which has nothing to do with you. And frankly, I mean, something to do with Trump in the sense that he's the president for the next eight days. But beyond that, it's really not about him. It's about the president of the United States, the office of the president. Yeah. And in honor to all the people who've come before before I, I think, him. I, if they would have done that, yeah. to me, I'd be a cur- Even if I disagree with everything he said, I'd be 100% courage across the board. I, and I, and I, I think that's actually a, an interesting way to handle it. The challenge with that, Charlie, is that because of his close friendship to President Trump and what at least many perceive to be President Trump basically using this award as a way to just reward his buddies, people that stay loyal to him, that may like over overshadow what could be a moment of actually using that to your point, that moment to actually, you know, say something that he really believes. The problem is he doesn't believe it. That's the reality. He's being forced to not go because he doesn't want to upset his players. Um, and he's getting a lot of pressure. He said it himself by the statement that he, that he made. So I don't think he would ever want to do that because he doesn't actually feel that way. All right. At least based on what he what he's saying, it doesn't feel like he feels, he feels that way. Okay. So look, either way, we wrap up with a two out of three, which I will take given all the things that have happened in the last week. That is, uh, that's a win for me that we can uh, get out of uh, the episode with that level of, uh, of agreement and discussion. Um, Jesus, quite a week, quite a show. Any... Uh, Words of wisdom, parting thoughts. No, I'm just I'm looking Massages forward to the next for all the people who've been through hell the last week or so. It, it, what do you got? You know, I mean, 
I think the the thing that we continue to get to is that, you know, I, I, I say the same thing I said last time, which is I'm really hoping we're getting to a moment of healing because we're in a really tough place right now. Um, it's very obvious from what I've what occurred last week, uh, the amount of discourse that continues to be. Um, and it's um, but I do think that ultimately, until fortunately, President Trump is completely out of the office and out of that seat. You, you're not going to be able to be able to begin the healing process until he's, he's no longer there. And it's sad, but it, but I, but I think it's the case. Okay, well, we'll leave it right where it is. I do also hope for continued healing and for a little bit of just calm and peace. We got to get past inauguration day on the twentieth, so we still got another interesting, uh, interesting <laughs> date to get past. Hopefully, without a bunch of fireworks or fanfare. But um, besides the normal, anyway. But I agree with you on that. And uh, so we'll close out this episode. Can't wait to see what next week brings. Yeah, Whatever exactly. we think right now, it'll probably be the opposite. So anyway. Thanks, everybody, for listening uh, to TDR. Uh, keep, uh, keep liking, keep sharing, keep sending us your perspectives and your opinion, and we'll see you next week on another episode of the Diversity Remix. If you enjoyed this episode of the Diversity Remix, please remember, first of all, to subscribe and help us to spread the word. Tell your friends, family, coworkers, and give us a five-star review. We're available on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else you get your listening fix. And lastly, please remember to stop by blackbrown.us, the creator of this podcast, and take a look at our work and our approach at the intersection of diversity and business. The Diversity Remix is produced by Leo Gomez, with production services by Jose Manuel Durquidi and Luis Diego Carranza, and our friends at Juan Diego Network. The Diversity Remix is a production of Black Brown. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio... And producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.